What's up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Angle, hosted by me, your boy, Bruce Allen. And in this podcast episode, it's an interview with Rob, a.k.a. Rohan Paints. Uh, and it is a really fun interview. We go super deep, talk about the fourth dimension, seeing yourself in a third person, trauma in childhood, and even how there's this, an interesting turning point in everyone's life when you can either go up, go down, or just completely stay stagnant. But everyone has one. I think I think everyone can relate to that. So you really enjoy this conversation. But also, if you're in D.C. Uh, this week on Wednesday, uh, what day? Oh, well, I should have had that in my mind, right? On Wednesday, September 18th at 6 o'clock, uh, he is going to be having an exhibition uh, up at this place called Hill Prince, and it will be a great time, and I'll be hosting it. So I hope to see you there. Anyways, guys, let's get into the episode. Enjoy. There's a there's a BPM of sound, but then that also corresponds with like the video. And when you go together, you get this. So you have a synchronized video with like a with a like let's say 60 BPM soundtrack. You know you can create this rhythm visually. You yeah. Know what I'm saying with the sound and the video. Yeah. And, you can chop um, it up real nice like that. Exactly. And and then and and I feel like in its in itself the video and the and the sound together, um, whatever they're portraying becomes the art. You know. I mean mm. that's why I put it in installation. I mean that's why it's an installation for me. So. What I experiment with is being able to kind of push the boundaries of what is a portrait because my work is focused on portraits. Just pull the whole thing over. There we yeah. go. So my work, okay, so yeah. I, I feel like I can hear it. Is that just my echo or is it? Well, you're sitting, you get a pretty bad echo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You'll get used to it though. <laughs> the, the, the audio dampening in here isn't the best. Yeah. I, I've, start, I've realized that. Yeah, you would think it would be a, a little better, but I guess it's just like a concrete box. Yeah, there's like moss on the ceiling and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's got but chairs and. Where I'm sitting, it's down. great. Yeah. I, know, I know that. I know for a fact where you're sitting, it's kind of like, oh shit. You got this wood back here. I know, it's crazy, right? I don't know. But yeah, yeah, this is dope, man. I appreciate you for inviting yeah, me. Dude, yeah, dude. Yeah, Rohan. I mean, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, what's up, guys? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And in this interview, I'm here with Rohan. Yeah. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? God, thank God doing? we got this water, dude. It's freaking <laughs> steamy in here. And you got jeans and a long sleeve shirt on? But it's, but I mean, you know, I got an undershirt. So. Okay. That saved me, right? You know, I was never a sweater my entire life <laughs> in, until I, like, until like this year. Yeah. I started sweating more. Yeah? I don't know what it is. You think you're just getting older? Is that what it is? You could always start sweating and shit? I don't know, man. I mean, like, you think about it like, you maybe when you were younger, you you had more, you, your body was more fit, so you didn't get as tired as fast, and then now it's like... You know, it's wild, because I feel like I have the same energy, yeah. if not more than I was younger, but it's like when I work out, I'm like, oh, damn, I got a sweat coming on? Like, this yeah, is wild. Yeah, I, used, yeah, I used to yeah. be like, yeah, I don't sweat, I'm just chilling, yeah. my armpits don't sweat, I don't stink, but I'm getting older, man, this, this, this thing sucks, dude. <laughs> Listen, my body is, is hurting in places where, like, I, I couldn't even imagine, man. And it's yeah? just like, yeah, it's like you wake up in the morning and you feel stiff and you don't want to get out of bed, especially in the wintertime, which is why I can't wait to leave D.C. because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the wintertime, you'll be in bed and you'll be stuck and you'll you'll just be staring at the ceiling like, I can't move. Like, I need to get my body out of this bed so I can go, you know, tend to my day or whatnot. God, how old are you? 33. You're 33? Yeah. You look like either 33 or 53. I can't tell. <laughs> it's, it's, it's somewhere there, man. But it's good, though. Fuck man, thirty three is not too far from me. Don't worry, I got plenty of water if you need it. Okay, like, cool. That jug is. You can just like pour it up, all right? Or I can grab it for you. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, 
but yeah, man, freaking, uh, this is fun. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this because we're actually going to be doing the exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be showcasing. Boy, it's um, your exhibition. I'm going to be talking to you. It's, 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 it's kind of a, a showcase in my mind. You know it's what I mean? It's all you, baby. It's all you. It's not me. It's you, it's Chris, it's everybody. See, like the thing is, the work isn't just about me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The work is the work is produced by me, but it's a start conversation for all of us to have. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't I don't necessarily create work that you know. It, it's like this is my work. Like look at me. You know, like oh, can we curse on this or yeah, we say, can say whatever the hell we want? Say before, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's not me just pulling my dick out and making everybody look at it. You know what uh, I'm saying? Okay. It's okay. like yo, like let's have a conversation. Let's look at this. Let's let, let me create something that we're actually gonna talk about. You know what I mean? And engage with. So like me and Chris were talking, and we're gonna um, with the caricatures, we're gonna put like a little. One of those like comic book, you know, thought bubbles. Okay. Um, so people can write down what they think the person's what. So people can write down what they think is going on in the caricature. Like interesting. You know what I'm saying? So it make it more interactive, and then hang them up, and then you can read them. Like people are like, you see this crazy character of one of the political candidates, and then people have written in a thought bubble like, um, I don't know, what's the what's the shit I just heard? So you're gonna have. These these portraits, these like I guess political inspired portraits. Yeah, so we we'll have the portraits up, yeah, and then we're gonna have prints, yeah, and then the prints um, will have I want to superimpose or like put into uh, I'm gonna use you know I'm gonna put a little thought bubble in there where people can write down with like a sharpie oh. what they think is going on, what they think the person is gonna say or what the person is saying. So it can just give people more interaction because we thought that that would be cool. That is interesting. I, I haven't really seen much like that in exhibition. Yeah, I mean, you all. know, again, because the artist doesn't want you to really touch their work. They want they want to produce work. They want you to look at it and they want you to react to it. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, it, it, sometimes I feel like the artist's work is so complex people can't really react to it because they don't know what the fuck is going on. You know yeah, what I mean? It's so crazy for, for people reacting to work because it's it's something hanging on a wall that someone can look at in like two seconds, but then you want them to stare at it and try and get the meaning and figure it out. And in your case, like interact with it. It's like try to find something more than just. Exactly. Oh, it's uh, Hillary Clinton with weird eyes. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's not just Hillary Clinton with weird eyes, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not just my idea of her. It's your idea. It's his idea. It's her idea. It, we're, we're collaborating on it. So it's, it's, it's a dope idea to be able to collaborate together, you know what I mean, and come up with conversation together. And then what ha- what will happen is you'll have the same picture of Hillary Clinton and you'll see multiple people's reactions to it. And then you'll oh. be like, oh shit, like, I didn't think about that. Because I think people's stories and their ideas about the same thing, always different. Yeah. But always different. To, it's always great to see the differences and then like, you know, take them in or whatnot. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times you can't, you don't know the differences between other people's interpretations exactly. until you talk to them. Exactly. And I know as an artist, and I know you've had exhibitions before, right? Mm-hmm. Or you've presented art before. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. know that. But like, um, people will have some wild interpretations of things. So, so you, it's, it, that thought will be interesting to kind of expose what people are really thinking exactly. about whatever it is. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It, it really gives them a platform, a voice, you know what I mean? And otherwise, like, a very hard to understand, you know, kind of sometimes obscured meaning, you know what I'm saying, of a piece of art, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, so, and so this exhibition, what day is it on again? Shit. This is me, like, helping you with the plug right here. Uh, 
<laughs> you want to look at my phone? <laughs> I got it on my calendar. Yeah. I know that I got like every week I have something different and I just focus on that week so I can just get through it. And then like the next week comes and I'm like, all right, I started doing some of this stuff last it's okay. week. It's all right. Don't worry about it. In, in, the, in the pre-roll intro where I tell people to like leave me a comment review, I'll yeah. throw in that information right there. Okay. Yeah, yeah it'll yeah, be yeah. tight. Yeah. And, and hopefully it'll come out before the actual H Street so that it'll be for oh, the yeah, festival. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I have some pieces available now. So I'm only going to, I'm probably going to do like maybe four more pieces, you know what I mean? Mm. So all together we'll have um, six pieces and and like I said, the prints and then there'll be plenty of prints. So that's that's the dope part. Like you'll be able to go in and, you know, and the prints will be laid out and people could just kind of just do what they want with them, you know what I mean? That is pretty cool. Yeah. And so you said it's going to be like six photos and or six portraits. Yeah, six two by three portraits that'll be hanging up in that back area um, where we'll be kind of having our conversation or whatnot and taking okay. audience like requests or whatever. And they're paintings. Mm-hmm. Mm, how long have you been a painter for? Show sure, man, about about thirty years, man. I've I've been I've been drawing and painting and shit and creating since I've been a little kid. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like it's always been a way for me to communicate. You know, because I mean, for the longest time, I didn't really. Um, I didn't really like talk to people, you know what I mean? Mm. Like I was just like, I was just really quiet. Really? Yeah. You like know what you I mean? were like a naturally shyer kid or a quieter I, kid? I don't know if it was shy. I guess it was shy. Maybe I just, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you why. I, I just remember a lot of stories of people, you know, older people telling me, oh, you don't, you didn't really talk much when you were little. And, really? And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I had, you know, you, you have shit that goes on in your childhood or whatnot. And then, you know, that affects you as you grow up. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, do you, do, do you, so you, you don't remember being a kid thinking like, I'm not talking. It was just kind of a part of you. You know what? I think maybe I just didn't really feel like I had shit to say, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was kind of like, you know how some kids, they naturally just like jump into like conversations that you're having. Yeah. I do remember asking people a lot of questions. That actually might have been what it was. Like, I was constantly asking people questions, and they never, they got annoyed with me. So, like, maybe I just stopped talking because people didn't want to answer my questions. That's anymore. one of those things about kids who always ask questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why this, why that? But it's interesting to ask yeah. questions, but then also be known as, like, the quiet kid, you know? But I yeah. think there's a lot of power to that. Like, maybe it's, you were just taking things in. I was. I mean, but it sounds like it's to a point where it's a little unnerving for people. Like, does this kid ever yeah. talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was mad observant. You know what I mean? Even even to this day, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's one of my superpowers, right? You know, I feel like everybody has their talents and superpowers. One of mine is, is observation. And, like, I observe small details and things mm. that, you know, if I were to describe to people, they'd be like, oh, you're, you're really thinking critically or you're looking very deep into this thing or maybe you're even overanalyzing it to a degree. You know what I mean? But... Um, there's there's so much to be seen in the simplest shit, you know what I mean? And it's just weird because, like, if, you know, you have a conversation with it, uh, you have a conversation about it with some people, they see it too. Mm. And, it, and it's funny how the experiences that you two have combine. But then others you have the same conversation with, they don't see shit. They don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. And they're looking at you like, all right, dude, Nice talking to you. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, it's it's interesting because as an artist, which is so cliche, you see things differently because you you interpret it and you pull things in and out through your body in, in painting. And so when you talk about you see things that other people don't, it's like a certain frequency or a certain plane of thinking, almost mm-hmm. like saying, 
or, or an idea is how often do you like think about a situation or interaction or look at yourself in third person? Yeah, a lot of times. Weird situations like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That third person thing is mm-hmm. a very interesting concept, bro. Yeah. I got some spiritual shit that I could put you on, you know what I'm saying, that relates to, you know what I'm saying, what I interpret the third person is from real experience. Well, tell me about it. What do you? Because that, that's just like a fleeting thought for me is this whole how often do you look at yourself from a third person, which I think is powerful to a developing as a person is how often can you look at yourself besides yourself and, and really evaluate. And, you know, I think when you're making big decisions or you, you're, you have to make some moves in life, right? sometimes you wish, how do I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I think looking at it from that pulled back perspective and third person for people who are, are talking is you're looking at yourself from outside of yourself. So as right. if like you were in a room and you were just like the security camera in the room. Exactly. Yeah. So, when I was younger, um, and this is when I say younger, I mean like in my teens, I had this reoccurring dream. Oh. Right? And it's weird because when you have a reoccurring dream, it, it, it comes, you know, it can happen every night, it can happen every week. It's the same dream, exactly the same way, over and over and over, though. That's so wild. And it's weird because... You wonder to yourself, why do I keep having the same dream over and over? And how is it possible to to even have the same dream over and over? And second of all, in this reoccurring dream, why am I watching myself do something every time? That's not lucid dreaming? Well, remember, we talked about the third person, right? Oh. I'm watching myself do something in this dream. And it's the same dream over and over and over with someone in the room who I know. Can we talk about the dream? So I won't go into detail about okay. the dream. Um, the dream is some super fucked up shit. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That, uh, that exposes people to certain things. And I don't want to incriminate anybody. But anyway. Okay. So what I would say is in the dream, <laughs> I'm watching myself um, in a room doing some things, um, engaging in, 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 uh, engaging in these things with these other people. Right. Now I was a child. So I was watching these things going on. When I got older, I asked one of the people in that room that I saw, I said, I have this dream and it keeps coming to me like every week or every night. And I said, did this really happen? And that person said, yeah, you were in the room when that happened. What? And I said, well, I can't physically remember this dream, but I remember it in my dreams. That's the only reason I know that this thing has happened. Like you don't remember the actual event, but you remember I don't remember the actual event. I just, I just see it happening in my dream, and it actually did happen. So, and how, like, how long were you having this reoccurring dream for? Years. Whoa, and it was it every night or just ever so often? Ever so often. Wow. But it would be the same dream every time. So, so recently, I had a conversation with a friend. And in this conversation, we were talking about um, astral projection and third-person views, and we were talking about memory. And I think we both realized, and, and, it, and it really just occurred to me that you have multiple forms of memory. You have physical memory, and you have spiritual memory. Because if that event occurred, but I don't physically remember it, but my dream, but I have dreams of it, what I and this is my opinion. This is not necessarily yeah. true. Yeah. What what I what I concluded from that was that when the event was going on, I was I was actually 
observing it in the third, I was observing it in, in um, an, I was having an out-of-body experience observing that event. Meaning that while it was going on as a child when it happened, I was watching it from outside of myself. Whoa. Because I think that maybe what was going on was more than I could handle mentally. Yeah, it sounds like you were, it sounds like whatever it is is, is, is traumatic. Where exactly. You're, you're, so, you're so young and, you're, and you can't register what's going exactly. on. So, so maybe your body tries to shut things out, which is true. Your, exactly. your mind tries to shut bad things exactly. out from you to protect you exactly. on purpose. And so it starts manifesting in your subconscious while you're dreaming. Exactly. And Well, so, so you step back. So when, when you have this out-of-body experience, and this is, the, this is the evidence that I'm giving for, you know what I'm saying, the fact that your body has memory, but your spirit also has memory too. But you remember things physically, you know what I mean, in your brain, you remember them as happening to your physical body. What I was remembering was things happening to my actual spiritual body. And my spiritual body was watching myself in this room uh, uh, during this event. And so in my dreams, it would constantly reappear to me. Wow as me watching this event occur. And I said, how can, I said, I don't have any physical memory of this occurring. It's a very strange occurrence, but anyway, so when we talked about the third person, what I realized is that when you actually observe things in the third person, like if you're having a traumatic experience or you're astrally or you're astral projecting, or even if you're trying to even look at your life from the third person, you're essentially almost in a way taking your conscious, your spirit, and you're stepping outside of your physical yeah. self and you're observing a situation. And that situation that you observe, you're not remembering it physically because you're outside of yourself observing yourself. It's, it's, it's an interesting way of thinking it's a good way and I think everyone should be able to see that, but I think it's also dangerous. I think a Definitely. lot of I think a lot of people can get stuck in that thing. Yeah. And and I know a lot of friends that have and you know They completely live outside of their own body. Yeah, where where they overthink everything. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't act impulsively sometimes, which I think is good to act impulsively mm -hmm. sometimes. They don't they don't enjoy life or they overthink things because mm -hmm. they're too busy looking at it in third person. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that was something that I definitely struggled with because you feel comfortable doing that. You feel comfortable not experiencing things physically. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like the physical pain is so great that you can't really, you have to be outside of yourself in order to, so you know how they say like those people, like Tibetan monks, how yeah. they are able to endure such like cold and such pain when they go into this meditative state. Yeah. And in that meditative state, they say that they're having, they, they project outside of their body. Mm -hmm. So it, when the spirit is not attached to the body, the body is just this flesh. It can take that pain. It can take that, that abuse because you're not physically, you're not, you're not like, you're not consciously aware of what's going on but your consciousness is completely detached from the body so Ooh. i feel i feel like that's what it is probably like when you get shot or something like our limb gets chopped off or your yeah. leg gets broken yeah. i've never been on that extreme personally yeah yeah so i can't speak on that but in yeah. a way i feel like that's what your body would have to do to cope with that yeah. or or, yeah. or or you or like a monk you can yeah. reach that plane yeah, exactly. by enough training and dedication uh -huh. yeah yeah, so imagine how powerful the body is that it has the ability to say, okay, unplug that connection, unplug that conscious connection. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't need mm -hmm. to experience that. What do you think about deja vu? And, and now, 
if your spirit is internal, right? And this is again, this is my opinion. If yeah. your spirit is eternal, and my and, and my theory is correct about you know what I'm saying your spirit having memory, then it's it's possible to say that you know when your spirit when you die and your spirit is you know transferred into a, the energy of your spirit is transferred into another form, you're taking those memories with you. The spirit can remember those things, and maybe your dreams and things like deja vu, which are feelings that you have, yeah. which are connected to past memories, because your spirit is everlasting. So. I mean, you know, I think about this stuff deeply because I'm really deep into metaphysics and alchemy and like um, and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff to that. I mean, I believe in spirit and energy. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a very religious man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you are. I'm gonna guess you're not. By I'm, I'm spiritual. Yeah, you're spiritual. Which in spirituality is a belief in something, but yeah. you're not praising a single god. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. it's. I'm not. Of, in, I'm not like Jesus Christ, like evangelist. Like I believe I believe Jesus was a real person, but I'm not like. Jesus is the only way to God type thing. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I think, I think religion's really crazy. The more, the more I investigate the opposite viewpoints of it. Yeah. Like I was, I was reading this book called the atheist Bible mm. and I randomly found it at one of those free little libraries. Mm-hmm. It kind of just been blowing my mind. <laughs> and, and one, and one of the mind, one of the mind blowing passages was just the intro to the book. And it was like, if you were to look at the history of man and look at some of its brightest stars, AKA the, smartest people yeah. they were all atheists and they yeah. all they all rejected religion as like the truth yeah but anyways um <laughs> random fact before i forget this you know einstein didn't speak until he was like in his teens yeah i heard that yeah he was like he they thought he was a, like a dumb mute yeah 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 yeah. it's wild dude did you know that einstein would would hide would stuff himself into a cupboard a dark cupboard whenever he wanted to think you know, whenever he wanted to fully concentrate and think, and you know what, that's really similar to. It's really similar to simper, sensory depri- deprivation. I was just, yeah, the yeah. tanks, right? Yeah, simple, simple sensory deprivation tanks. Have you done that? No, but what I do do is do do. <laughs> what I do do is I'm sorry. What I do do is um, I'll blindfold myself and put uh, and put earplugs in and. And in that way, I'm able to um, cut myself off and really oh. el- eliminate certain senses so that I can like um, have a better sense of. Um, Do you trip? No, it's actually uh, well. I guess yeah, it's like a trip. It's like a visual trip. Yeah. Because for me, you know what I mean. Like for instance, I'm thinking of something for a painting, or I'm thinking of an idea. I want to reconstruct the scene visually in my mind. So I literally, you know what I mean, almost like Minority Report. Like I can visualize the whole scene and I can walk through it and look at certain details, reconstruct it, and then once I'm done, I can have like a preliminary, you know what I'm saying, setup for whatever I need to do. Interesting. Is that how you approach painting? I approach painting from different ways, but that is one of the ways I do it. I actually use that a lot for problem solving because um, I, I think that problem solving has a lot to do with seeing the bigger picture. And that's, mm. that actually helps me see the picture. You know, it helps me see a bigger picture instead of like being tunnel vision and being tunnel vision. And, and you know, because of the because sometimes when you're only, you know, when you're only focusing in on the current, it's hard for you to see the past and the future, which if you believe time is not linear, mm-hmm. then the past and the future are all just really one big picture along with the current. So if you can look at all of that somewhat. I'm not saying that I have this like omnipotent vision, but yeah. if you can at least see a bigger picture, you get more alternatives, possibilities, and solutions. You know what I mean? And also seeing it from other people's perspective. And other people's perspective. That's actually a really big one. And when you think about perspective, especially with art, um, you're you you get really then for instance you know um like look at picasso right the whole the whole idea around cubism um part of the idea around cubism Mm -hmm. was that it was an experiment with creating an image 
that was representative of what the fourth dimension would look like. Really? I yeah, because that. at that time, um, mathematicians had um, theorized that there were multiple dimensions. Interesting. And so this con these conversations, like, you know, like quantum mechanics, all of the stuff we're doing now, all of this stuff was theoretical. It was theorized in like the 1930s, the early 1900s. Th those theories were being experimented on over years and years and years until now we have things like quantum computing and, you know, AI, which is basically, you know, if you lift up AI's ugly mask, it's really just statistics. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> AI is a crazy thing, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I get into all this because I'm actually an engineer. Oh. Mechanical engineer, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so... But that's interesting about Picasso. I didn't know that's what he was trying to capture was the fourth dimension. Well, I, I wish I knew more about that time era. That way, like, I could think about... That way I knew... It, I mean, and art always reflects the times. Right. So... Well, and, and again, he's still an artist, so it's a visual thing. But there were a lot of artists doing that. There were a lot of artists experimenting it's with like this a, idea. Cubism movement. Well, yeah, it was actually before he was in Cubism because Picasso kind of coined that phrase, and that's more of a marketing thing. But if you think about what the artists were actually kind of experimenting with when they when they were approaching the idea of, wow, you know, we can paint things in three dimensions. And I don't know if people really understand. Like humans didn't have the ability to 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 visualize on a 2D surface, something in three dimensions because we didn't have the mathematics for it. We didn't have the geometry to do Wait, that. Wait, break that down again. Well, think about it, right? The earliest art we know of humans is cave paintings. But isn't it isn't like a sculpture 3D? Right, but um, we're talking about painting a 3D picture on a 2D surface. Oh, you mean in a way fooling the mind into giving in something depth. Perspective, depth, depth okay. of field, right. Kind of, kind of like a drop shadow. Yeah, a drop shadow, and you can only get that when you have the mat, when you have the geometry of perspective and lines and divisions. If you don't know about um, about foreground and background, how do you create a, a picture that has perspective? Do you, but do you think the techniques like that came before the actual science of it? Like, do you think people were nah, painting? The in, science came. You, you think it took the science to enable people to even have the thought of painting in a three D form? I, I think that well. Personally, I think yeah. that the science and the art kind of forms together. They're not really separate, but yes, I think that as, as the science was forming, the mathematics was forming, I think the art was forming as well. I think that, first of all, the artists were mathematicians anyway, so they kind of came together. And I think the artists were pushing the limits, and since they were mathematicians, they were experimenting. And here, henceforth, you get things like three-dimensional you know, uh, views on 2D surfaces. And so the next iteration of that would be four-dimensional views on 3D surfaces. And now... Wait, wait what does a four-dimensional view look like? That's, that's what cubism is. That's what the attempt of cubism oh, is. And okay. guess what you have now? What? You have fifth-dimensional views in a 3D, in a 4D surface. That means that you're trying to take something like virtual reality, which can showcase a 3D surface, but, you know, the fourth dimension is time. So that's basically being able to see everything at the same time. But that's impossible for us to comprehend, you know what I mean, in a 3D world. So we have representations of it. Um, what you'll see sometimes is something they call a tesseract. Uh, I'm sorry, not, not a tesseract, a hyper, yeah, a tesseract, but it's a hypercube. And they try to showcase this fourth dimensional cube um, in 3D space. So it's like this thing that's moving around within itself. It's weird. And you'll, you can look it up and you can see, yeah, that man, sounds, it's crazy. I, I, this is one of those moments where I wish we had like a screen and all that stuff so someone could pull up a tesseract. Dude, it's crazy. And I mean, like when you look at the tesseract and like, for instance, Avengers, the conversation about the 
tesseract is this cube of, you know, of, of dimensional energy, but it is. That's essentially what it is. It's not visualized in a way that it makes sense, but you know, what, what, what the fuck do we know? So all we can do as artists, you know what I mean, with this knowledge of science, is to produce something that people can comprehend, including us, because we're trying to comprehend this shit too. Now, if I paint a picture for you of a tesseract and it looks like some shit that you don't understand, why would you be interested in that? You're gonna be like, this dude's a psychopath, like I'm not dealing with him. So you do something that makes sense and you produce it in a way that you know people people can understand. Is that why you, you do portraits? Yes. Because the way you talk and, and, and what you paint don't line up to me right now. So that that's that's a good point, and and the reason one of the reasons why I do portraits is because I love the way the stories that a portrait tells, mm. um, but also because I'm actually experimenting with pushing the boundary of what a portrait is. Okay. I think a portrait is something completely different than what people think it is, and I mean yes, it's a face, but what is a face? If you believe that a face is a as a combination of features like nose, ears, mouth, yeah. and, and, and eyes, you know what I'm saying? Then yeah, that's a traditional um, image of a portrait. But what if I told you a portrait was a circle? What if I told you a portrait was a splash of paint? Isn't a happy face basically a portrait? What is a caricature? Like, portrait is abstract. It doesn't necessarily have one form. You know what I mean? So anything can be a portrait. And, and, that's, and that's essentially well, the message. Well, usually a portrait is defined by, there's a, it's, it's, some sort of facial centric traditionally yeah. art piece. So what is a face then? A face is a thing on top of your body. Oh, so does it is a face only a thing on top of your body? Because this watch has a face and this is not on the top of my body. See, and we use the words interchangeably for other things. So yet, like 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 a portrait of an apple. Is that a face? If a I face. draw a face on it, is it then a face? Maybe a portrait is just an examined focused It's a construct. It's a construct, it's an abstract. We use it as a way to describe and label something. But what it really means is, in my opinion, is an expression. And that's really what you're trying to paint, an expression. See, because if you smile, you so, give me so a happy expression. expression. It is, to me. Again, yeah. I'm not saying that this is where everybody else feels. Yeah, no, 100%. But the work for me is an expression. Yeah, we're not on the record here. We're just, we're, we're, talking, <laughs> we're talking from what we know, man. No, man, I, I love this because like, how often do you, do, do you get to have these conversations? I mean, besides you, I mean, you're having these conversations like every other day, right? I wish. I wish I could talk with people every other day. That means, it, <laughs> that means it'd probably be my job. <laughs> it'd be dope. That We're both not. in the same boat. We do interviews all day. Like, I interview all my portrait subjects, too. Oh, you do? Yeah. I have long conversations with them. Um, right now, I'm actually working on a documentary um, about my creative process, um, and, and it's my perspective of D.C. and the shifting culture from the perspectives of the different subjects that I have as portraits. And so it's a combination of portraits of the subjects that I interviewed. Because you're from DC, right? No, I'm not from DC. Oh, you're not. I'm, I'm from between Chicago and Miami, man. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought you grew up in DC. No, no, I'm not from here at all. I'm only lived here for five years. Does that include you moving back? Like, yeah, that includes me moving back. I went to school here. That's the reason I came to DC. Oh, what's cool? UDC, okay. University of District of Columbia. That's where I got my engineering degree. Oh, okay. And that's where like a lot of your experience of DC kind of comes from. Yeah, yeah. And basically, just being out in the street, man. Like, you know, going out, meeting people relationships, dating, 
working in internships and in, in labs and also working in internships at federal government and then being in internships in, in local government. Like I worked almost in every position. I was a bouncer at a nightclub. I worked for DC government. I worked for the federal government. I've worked at the National Laboratory over in Gaithersburg. I've worked as a student researcher on campus. I've worked as a, I've worked in the mall so as done, a retail you, Yeah, person. you've done like a lot of different, you've had a lot of <laughs> perspectives from, the, from a DC culture. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen a lot of different perspectives and like, it's, it's crazy, man. It's hard to have conversations with people when you've seen things with so many perspectives because you tend not to really take sides easily. Like, it's difficult for me to say, yeah, you know, like, for instance, gentrification. I can't say gentrification is good or bad because I've seen good mm. and I've seen bad. Same. You know what I'm same. saying? I don't like it because it hurts people's feelings, but at the same time, it's also helping people. So it's like until someone can quantify its complete um, its complete effects, then there's no real way for any of us to make a decision about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, gentrification is, is a pretty big topic on the podcast when with people who are from DC. Mm-hmm. And it means a lot more to people who are who, who are who, directly who, affected who, who are directly affected by it, or yeah. people who grew up in DC and they yeah. still kind of live here. Yeah. And they, they tend to have for not all people, but it tends to be a, a negative viewpoint on it. Yeah. But some people kind of see it from like an outside perspective. And I of think course. that's the thing is when something's happening to you, you have to be able to see it from both, yeah. both sides. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And how do you do that? Because you can't, it, it's, it goes back to our third, mm-hmm. you know, stepping It goes back to that conversation. It's, it's like, <laughs> this know? is happening to me, but, but what's the other side? Why what's is it? What's the other side? Like, and wh- why would you ever in your life go outside of yourself to see the other side of something negative that's happening to you? Who does that? You know what I'm saying? Well, be, because it's, it's not our nature. It's not to, our nature to try to, to do sympathize that. with evil, exactly. or, or, or to sympathize with something that you think is evil. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. So I mean, I, I completely understand how people feel about it, and I sympathize with them because I understand like it's affecting them. You know what I mean? But and so I, don't know I, I remember seeing you've been doing your portraits for people series. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, is that what for that the is? Yeah. So portraits for the people is kind of like a is is like a is like a brand. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. And um, in the DC version is what I'm working on now. Oh. So I want to take this thing and I want to do it in different states, in different cities. I want to do it in New York, LA. I mean, I've been, I've been, I lived in LA last year and I was able to get a good cross section of like different interviews from individuals in LA, man. And I've, I've interviewed over 50 people, you know what I'm saying? And have hours and hours of footage. And I've had so many different conversations. Is that because you said it was your job or because you like doing it? I like doing it. This is, this is, this is my, this is my artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is my grand work as an artist. Oh, so you will go and find strangers to interview? Like what's, how's What's that process? I mean, you already know, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, Wait, do you have a podcast or something? No, 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 no. It's okay. not a podcast. It's a part of my. It's a part of my. Um, my. Uh, my artist process. Okay, cool. Okay, it's a part of my process. Okay, you know what I mean. Getting narratives, mm. the stories, the narratives behind. You know what I'm saying. The individuals that I paint these portraits for. Because like, I'm not just painting these random portraits. Like, I really get into the person's mind. I really talk to them. I really. Because you made a good point earlier. You said, you take in this energy and then you put it out. Mm-hmm. That's what a portrait is. When someone comes and they tell me their story. I'm taking that in, and when I produce this portrait, it's 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 a channeling, and a and a it's a channeling of energy, and I'm able to put it out and create this image. And you 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 put so much of your you recreate this image, and people look at it and they're moved by it, man. They're moved by it, bro. It's just crazy, you know what I'm saying? Just to have that ability. Hmm. 
it's, it's, it's just fascinating to me. The fact that you actually go and just interview people. Are you interviewing bums? Like who are you interviewing? Is it just like clients? Like what is, I interview everybody, bro. I've interviewed clergy. I've interviewed homeless people. I've interviewed drug addicts. I've interviewed heart surgeons. I've interviewed, um, business owners. I've interviewed children. I've are there any from couples. LA that like really stick out at you? There's one interview, uh, that I did in LA that stuck out to me. Um, it was, oh man. So I have a friend actually, she lives in LA. She is a black woman mm-hmm. who is getting, who got her divinity, who became a, 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 what is it when you go to divinity school? What's that called? When you become a nun? Not a nun, like she became a pastor. Oh, oh! I should know that. I used to be Catholic. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. She became a pastor. Okay. She became an ordained minister. There you go. Oh, there she became ordained. Yeah, she became okay. ordained. She's, she's gay. Whoa. And so all of that going against her. She's a gay black woman who became an ordained minister. And then... Somebody should she, tell her that religion is not for her to... <laughs> do. But the crazy part is I've talked to her about what she learned. And, like, she said that the whole process was very challenging for her. But it was, it, was, it was meant for her to go there because it was a way for her to really explore, you know what I'm saying, and challenge, you know, the, 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 traditional, the traditional concept of religion. She, and then while she was yeah. in divinity school, she had to have a liver... I mean, not a liver, a kidney transplant. Whoa. And she survived that, got her transplant in a year. And when she talks about, you know what I'm saying, the ups and downs of going through that process, it's like she survived and she's a, she's a miracle. And so her story is crazy because it's so motivating to hear this. And I mean, like... Is a liver like a crazy thing to... No, nah, it's kidney. Okay, oh, kidney. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Is a kidney like a crazy thing to get... Yeah, yeah. I mean, people won't live for like five plus years. People die, you know what I mean, and never get a transplant. Oh, wow. And you need your kidney. So that means that if you don't get a kidney soon, you got to be on dialysis for the rest of your life. And I don't know if you know what dialysis is, but that's when they put you into the machine and they transfer your blood out of your body through a filtering system. Oh, fuck. Doing that three times a week, can you imagine that? Oh, my Draining God. Draining all of your energy, and you're supposed to make it through school. And, you know, be, and, and, and also now she's graduated, and so she got her transplant, but she still has, you know, the post recovery wow. and she's also a pastor at a church so she has a lot she has a she has a she, she she's climbing wild. a mountain with no no rope bro and it's just hard man all it's the like, odds against her yeah man it's just god it's just like and i'm complaining actually now that i even talk about it i'm sitting here complaining about my life and the things i'm going through man i'm really ungrateful bro like it's always <laughs> a constant reminder how ungrateful when you I think am. of something like that it seems like nothing else matters right man it's just, it's just so uh if someone could do that and still achieve their goals yes that's right. mind blowing like and here i am oh yeah get up out of bed in the morning oh my hands hurt <laughs> oh man my, my back hurts my i did i hit legs hard i can't make it yes uh, yeah dude no 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 excuses man you just got to do it you got to push through baby yeah, that, that is good though i guess it gives you a lot of perspective the same way how i interview it kind of gives me a lot of perspective from other people, you know, conversations you would never normally have. And and I can see how as an artist, you can channel that. So you did a portrait of her. Yeah. Yeah. And her portrait was really dope, man. I mean, again, like I said, I wish you could um, showcase some of the images, but I'll give a short description. It was a portrait of her kind of in the, in the whole like holy pose that you've seen in like seven, like, um, like classical Renaissance paintings, you know, with the Pope and whatnot. They're throwing up like that kind of like that 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 peace sign or whatever. And then Oh, it's 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 not a piece, but it's like 
It's like yeah, it's like a really weird bent finger thing. I don't almost know. Almost like you were holding a cigarette. Yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. facing you. It's like palms. Yeah, facing yeah, yeah. You. It's it's kind of like they're blessing you. Yeah, like they're holding a staff or something. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like this sort of. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know yeah, exactly. It's a very very subtle gesture, and then so that's her pose, and then in the background is a painting. And the painting is actually Daniel in the Lions Den. And I Whoa. painted that. And I and that symbolizes for me. I told her, you know, I was I needed to put this in for you because you you are in the Lions Den. And your faith has been so un your faith has been your faith has been tested and you have passed. And and the result of that test and that passing of that test is that you are here to witness to me and to motivate me. You know what I mean, and and to and to constantly be a reminder to me of like you need to get your shit together. You need to stop being so fucking ungrateful. You know what I'm saying? Because you have no reason. You know what I mean? I've given you all. I've given you so much. You've got health, health which is dude. one of the cre- it's one of the luckiest things you can have is health, health and sanity of mind, and, and that you look somewhat sanity. like a, you came out of the womb with all your blims. You Bro. know, like just like after hearing that story, though, I mean, those are the most minute things the common things that a lot of people just take for granted is their health Bruce imagine I mean uh, I'm pretty sure you can tell me on a daily basis how, how many times you've been ungrateful or, or somebody you know has been ungrateful you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like we, we get so wrapped up in like the most petty shit we do and we don't take time to look back man and I mean I'm not preaching bro I really I'm really not but like I just wish that, like, I even, I even, you know what I asked her the other day? I texted her, I was like, I was like, if there was a person alive that had unwavering faith, could they be technically be a superhero? You, you know what I'm saying? And, mm. and I said, have you ever met a person with unwavering faith? Have you ever met a person whose faith was never broken no matter what they went through? The indomitable will. That's what a superhero is, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they never, there's no chink in the armor. It's exactly. just this linear, fall. So as a human being, that means that you could accomplish that. All you had to do was overcome your ego and, and whatever internal doubt. insecurities you have, internal yeah. doubt. Yeah. It doesn't even require you to be fucking bitten by a radioactive spider. It doesn't require you to come from another planet. All it requires is you to mentally overcome your own doubt. You're telling me that humans couldn't achieve that? Variables. <laughs> There's so many variables that, that just put, that try to chink that armor up. You know, I, I, I view it as right now just kind of like a, Silver Knight's armor, and that's like your will. And then you have so many things coming at you: your your bank account statement, your your roommates, you know, health problems, family. And that person is just like this the whole time. Mm-hmm. The whole time, everything is coming at them. They're just like this, unwavering. Like that's like a monk. Monks almost have that, right? They, like monks have that sort of neutral feeling about life. That's true. Now imagine if that monk wasn't isolating himself in the middle of the woods in Tibet somewhere and was in the city, we're in the middle of New York City, you know what I'm saying, living life, and he had that unwavering faith. Mm. Like, uh, imagine what you could accomplish. I, I can't even, like, it's almost scary to me. I think, honestly, for me, you know what I'm saying, I'm a little bit pussy because I think that if I did try to attempt that, like, I would fucking crack, like, the second day. I would crack in half the second day, dude. What, just trying to act like everything's fine or trying yeah, to? Yeah, trying to, trying to maintain an unwavering faith, like, I would be so over, I would be, I would get, I would be able to maintain it for a while until something happened. And I think that I would kind of have like an existential meltdown and then I would be completely, you know what I'm saying? Like stripped of all of my, you know what I'm saying? Like my. I I don't know if it's so much as having the, that 
crazy amount of will as much as it's just having perspective and in and and being all right with things you know just just something 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 bad or trying is happening breathe and it's like i'm gonna deal with it as it is can i change it can i not well if i can then i'm gonna try something if i can't then i'm it must be at peace that's like a buddhist thought that i read a long time ago it's like try as much as you can to change something, but it, you can only get to a certain point before you just have to be at peace with, I can't, that's as much as I can do for now, yeah. you know, or yeah. I just got to take it. I could get really pissed off. I could punch my car window or kick something, yeah. but you know, it, it's, yeah. it happened. You can't yeah. do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe like protesting or something <laughs> or, or like, you know, the whole <laughs> online thing where you make up some shit, but that's neither here nor Go there. leave a Yelp review. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, I mean, I don't know, bro. Dude, speaking of speaking of reviews, I'm almost 100 percent sure. As I was walking out in my Uber to come here today, my Uber driver was flicking me off. What happened, dude? I don't know what it was. Like, <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, like I, I swear to God, I looked out the window and like I went back in to grab some stuff because I had a bunch of stuff for the, to get rid of the podcast. And I think I walked out quickly and and I swear to God, I just saw him looking at me with his finger up, just just pointed right at me. And he he pulled it down real quick. And I was just in my mind, I'm thinking, did I just see that or or am I making this up? Do you feel like you did something to him? I don't know. Like I, I went back inside to get myself. I was like, oh, one second, you know, I motioned. Oh, and so okay. I, I'm. Oh, he was pissed. You were kind of holding him up, I guess. I don't know. And so I, I wanted to be like, did you just flick me off? But I don't. But I just put my stuff in his trunk, so I didn't want to say nothing. <laughs> so, I, drive so, so in my mind, I'm just like, I think he was picking his nose because I did catch him picking his nose on the way here. But I swear to God, <laughs> he he was flicking me off. I don't know why that's even relevant. Yo, but you know what? See, and that doubt, I mean, and that and that thought is in your mind, right? And it's like, damn, you don't know if he was picking his nose or flicking you off, like. And, and, and it's like... Big difference between them. It's a big difference between them because one of them is super negative. Well, the other one is super disgusting, but one of them is super negative. And we it's like... Pick our nose, dog. <laughs> I pick my nose before this podcast. Who's he flicking his nose and flicking Dude, the book? Dude, that, that, that's a weird fact. If you're going to do a podcast, you probably should pick your nose because like, if, you, if you breathe too hard out of your nose, sometimes the mics might pick it up. And oh. so sometimes I've actually noticed while I'm in post-production editing the audio, I'm like why am I hearing my nose breathing? And I'm like, oh, I think my nose was stuffed. And so it kind of makes like a whistling through the, through your yeah, nose into yeah, the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hear people breathing over the mic. Like, Usually just me because I sit really close. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of people just, you know, normally just like, people are just kind of like back. Yeah, some, well, that's way too far back. But like, <laughs> but like some people are always just like around, but sometimes I'm like, follow up in the, and you can just hear. <laughs> so enjoy, enjoy that nose breath. <laughs> but anyways, man, what were we talking about? So we were talking about um, we were we were trying to get back to the arc. And we were, oh yeah. We were talking about you know we got we got sidetracked on these multiple outcomes. Nah, that's the whole point of this, man. Right? Yeah. I always I always keep my my notes on deck. Not that it matters. I really need them. I just like to have them in case. I don't know. I do the same thing because I try to keep the conversation in one direction, but like you know, who knows where it goes? Nah, that's never my point. The point is just to talk and. Say something meaningful. I don't. I don't freaking yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I don't freaking know. No, but I am. Sure. I am. I am stoked to be a part of this exhibition A Street event we got going on here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially how this whole came about. Like, yeah, this is a promotion or like you know a promotion for for that whole event. But it's just honestly cool having you here. It's like yeah, just getting to know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted to. Um, I'm going to tell you one thing that I'm really getting from these interviews is that 
um, the people share like these really inspirational stories with me, you know, like the girl, you know, like the friend I just told you about overcoming yeah. all of the uh, all of the issues with divinity school and then overcoming, you know, having to have a kidney transplant. Another girl, she talks about overcoming domestic abuse and violence. Another person talks about overcoming homelessness. People are talking about, you know, how to overcome, you know, um, relationship issues and, and, and really doing self work in order to become a better person for your partner. So what, what, what a trend that I started to see was all of these people giving just great stories and, and, and just these, these transformational stories about, you know what I'm saying, like how you overcome. And, you know, it, I, I started to, you know, just watching them, um, I started to develop kind of like my own understanding of like, you know, what it, what it means for a human being to, to, to transform, to overcome, to make a change. And I think that it's a very interesting process because I kind of break it down into like, you know, this three-step phase where you go through a trial, you have a turning point, and then the turning point leads to this inspiration. And that inspiration is what keeps you going on the up and up. So like your trial is like this very linear, you know, um, uh, chain of events. And your turning point, which which eventually kind of has like a, a downward spiraling um, event. Mm-hmm. And then you have this turning point, which is an inflection, and then you'll see the curve kind of go up. And then it'll kind of exponentially rise once you're inspired. And it'll keep going because that inspiration is literally a fuel that is um, constantly pushing you. And is that is that the, where the transform occurs? The transformation actually occurs when you, f- when, when in my opinion, when the person finally has their breaking point. Transformation, unfortunately, can actually Actually go in two directions. For some people, it can transform them in a very negative way, and it won't be inspiration that fuels them, but like misery and depression, which will fuel them in a different direction. But some people were able to do. Some people were able to have that um, that that uh, turning point, and and something happens at that turning point. Mm. They end up either coming, and it, 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 it's so funny, right? It all depends on like what has happened before. Yeah. If a person has, let's say. During the during the, the 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 beginning of their story, let's say they they they've they're, they're trying to be a better person. They're trying to they're trying to you know they're trying to raise their child, and in that time, you know what I'm saying, they don't have a job and they're experiencing homelessness. The person who's experiencing homelessness with this child, if their behavior and attitude during that period where they don't have a job and they're, they're worrying about where they're going to get food, if they're doing things for other people, if they're spreading good karma. What ends up happening at that turning point is that that good karma eventually works in their benefit. Now, I don't know if it's that God speaks to them because it really depends on their personal belief or if they see a sign or if a stranger comes in, but something at that turning, something occurs at that turning point that's almost divine in a way. It could be either words, actions, blessings, whatever. Something that happens at that turning point and it ends up uh, pushing the person, you know what I'm saying? There's, a, the moment, there's moment. a moment that's like a catalyst for Change. Yes, there's a moment as a catalyst for 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 the change to occur, and and that change occurs, um, and and again they're inspired by it because that's the key point. The turning point can happen. You can make a change, but then like you can revert back. You don't have to go down and you don't have to go up. You can just keep going linear and you can revert back and be caught in this cycle of going through the phases, you know, I'm saying having your turning point, not really appreciating, I guess, what happened, not really being inspired, you know what I'm saying, not really being motivated to go up, you know what I'm saying, and then constantly repeating that cycle. So you're saying that with all of these people that you you've interviewed and 
different places that you've noticed that there has been some sort of test of having to deal with or a test of overcoming something. Overcoming and that along something. that journey of that thing that presented itself as a thing they must overcome. Right. That there's a moment that I'm sure it, in hindsight it can be identified, but there's a moment that happens where you can either go in multiple directions. Yes. And in that it affects you and and when and, and when and, and and when I've noticed that the direction has always been like super exponentially positive, it's because there was almost like some kind of I want to call it divine intervention. I can't really explain to you what it is, but something something happened, and it and it was so powerful that it con, it converted them almost. It almost in a way ch- it, it it whatever happened was a perspective changing moment that was very mm-hmm. subtle and very unique to that person that caused them to go into this super mode of inspiration where now they have almost you know this concentrated effort into this one mode of thinking you know what i mean and again it can happen in both ways because because a person have a turning point let's say a person's battling drugs the turning point happens where they're about to kill themselves because i've had this story before it's a very common one yeah they're about to kill themselves and one person told me god spoke to them and when god spoke to them they said that right after that somebody came to their door who was passing out pamphlets and said to them, you look really troubled, you should come with me. And at that point, that person found God and they went up. Mm. Another person, you know what I'm saying, um, I'm gonna give you an example, my father. He came to that turning point and took his own life. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And you know, that, and that, and, and that's, that's completely like, there was no, <laughs> there was no, there was no, po- there was no positive, Direction for that, you know, he, he wasn't able to overcome it. He, he was completely consumed by. Is that it. the moment that you had a dream? Maybe. I could feel that. <laughs> but no, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I have I have a personal idea or hy- hypothesis that you don't really form as a person until you're until you've dealt with something really big and, and oh, something yeah. something that you have to overcome mentally or whatever it is. Right. And like for me that happened when I was like 22 or 23 and you have a perspective change that completely changes you for the rest of your life. Right. And I think that is essentially what some of this is, is in, you know, because I've had it myself where I think that if you haven't had that in your life yet, then you should, but you can't look for it. It's going to happen. Yeah. But I think it's important to humans and people in general to have, something crazy happened like it has to. to have this overcoming and hopefully you you know don't the worst thing you could do is kill yourself and end it all yeah but i mean luckily i've most people i come into or i run into they tend to be really positive like like, yeah. like so positive you're almost not sure if it's real right like people that have almost killed themselves i've i've, I've experienced people that have been on that ledge or survived those pills or, yeah. or couldn't properly hang themselves or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. they normally end up being really nice people. Yeah. I mean, maybe I don't see the bad people because I don't interact with, like we're not in the same circles or something, but yeah, this is a really interesting idea that you brought up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, you know, again, cause like the way that I look at things, um, is is kind of like how that you know is that timeline i love timelines man mm. but yeah so that timeline like you you know you you tried to kill yourself you didn't you weren't successful and so 
you know, you, 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 you suffered through that pain. And who knows? They may have had an out-of-body experience at that moment and probably, and, and probably have dreams about it all the time and, and might not even remember what happened physically. And another thing, too, think about this, right? If the spirit does present your memories of it, if, if your spirit or your unconscious, you have unconscious dreams that are presented to you by your spirit, right? But you're not always, you know, unconscious. You're mostly conscious. That means that your dreams are, are basically this blast of memories that your unconscious is just trying to get out when you're asleep in those little six hours. And like maybe those intense dreams are just like this amalgamation of all of these things that are going on. And like and and I'd imagine that like now that I think about it, you know, it's almost like it's so much shit that it does come off as like a hallucination, some kind of trip. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it's like you could present, I don't know, man. Anyway. I, I, mean, don't mean, I mean, dreaming's wild. I, I've always been fascinated with dreaming because I hardly do it. So Really? Uh, yeah, I hardly dream. I don't know if it's because I smoke weed, whatever it is, because I have noticed that when I smoke weed, like on a consistent schedule, my dreams are suppressed. Really? And, and I've spoken to a lot of people who, who have the same feelings, but I have spoken to people who don't deal with that. But when I bring it up to people who do smoke regularly, uh, that is a common a common thing that they that they might not have realized. But when I talk about it, like oh, you know, I've kind of noticed that too. Yeah, that's interesting. Which is kind of wild to me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Do you do you so you actively dream a lot? Do you keep like a dream journal or anything like no, that? No, I don't keep a dream journal. But like I remember my dreams because um, honestly, I'd be honest with you. Sometimes I couldn't tell the difference between the dream on the real on the real world. Like sometimes I dream, and when I wake up, I I, I it's weird because I'm like, damn, that was a dream. Like. Holy shit. Like, I had a dream recently, man, about, dude, so I was at a beach, and it was night, and there was a, and, and I was like, I was, I was, you know how you can be at, like, this distance from the shore, and you can look and see, like, the people and, and things going on in the water, and it was just enough, like, moonlight so I can see, like, this gigantic snake just slithering around. Like, it was, when I say gigantic, it was, like, it was the size of a car, you know, oh, wow. things of a car. And it's like, and it's like in the water and it's like floating around. There's people out there. Right. And I think they're part of my family or friends. So I run out there and I'm like, yo, you get the fuck from over here. I just yeah. saw this giant snake over here. Oh, and it was shit. white too, by the way. So I go up to the pier because they're like, we're like freaking out and we're like looking around for the snake. And I don't know why we were looking for the snake. I mean, we should have got away from the well, snake. Well, you want right? to know where it is. <laughs> I want to know where it was. Right. <laughs> so like, I went to the pier and I looked in the water and I saw something swirling around in the water and it was the snake like just doing this weird coily thing in the water. You know how snakes do? And yeah, like, they just kind of coil up. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And it's in the water doing that. And it jumped out and I jumped inside of his mouth. What? Right. Did you wake up right then? I, I didn't. Well, yeah, I woke up right then, right? Now, I went and looked up that dream and apparently if you have a dream of a white snake, it, it has actually positive significance. Um, it, it, it has to do with transformation. There's an actual Chinese tale about, um, there's a very, there's a whole bunch of Chinese legends about, you know what I'm saying, like this mystical white snake and how when it comes into your life, you know what I'm saying, all of these things happen and whatnot. But the significance oh. of me jumping into the snake's mouth, um, because I didn't feel like I was being swallowed or killed. When I jumped into the snake's mouth, I like turned into light or something like that. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? It was like it was like when I jumped into the snake's mouth, it was like I became one with it. And so 
I just interpreted it as this, this transition. It's a crazy, interesting spiritual transition. And that's actually what's been going on with me for the last, for, since this year. This year has been a very transitional period for me. And, in one way. Um, one way, man. Um, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, people and how they accept things and how they take perspectives. I decided to try to live my life in this new idea, this new form of, of idea where I, there was this quote that I read on Instagram and it said, accept everything and expect nothing. Mm, and Zero expectations. Zero expectations and, ex- and, and, and accepting everything, though. You have to accept everything. And, and because I had such a controlling nature, everything around me had to be controlled. So to do the exact opposite is so difficult for me. I have to accept everything. That means that people not liking me or me doing something wrong and hurting somebody's feelings. That means mm-hmm. that food not coming out correctly at the restaurant. That means missing a train. That means everything. I have no reaction to it. I have to just accept it. And when I tell you how difficult that's been because I find myself sliding back into like the old me of wanting to control everything and, and trying to be obsessive over every little detail. And it's just like this constant going back and forth in between the two perspectives. And it's, and it's, and it's, uh, it's good for me though because I see that you know what I'm saying? Like all of the, the shit that I tried to control, you know, it's kind of showing itself and it's and it's good because it's kind of like purging all of the all of the, the 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 stuff I've been holding up, trying to hold up. And now I'm slowly but surely releasing all this weight and I don't have to feel anything now because. So, so you kind of feel like relief relief of yeah. this person that kind of like held you back or something was it was well, it the relief of always trying to control everything which in mm. a sense is trying to you know that can be stressful it, it is it is but it's a, it, you don't have compulsive behavior so it's like you 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 don't have um you, it's a compulsion it's, it's it's habitual it's automatic what you made you realize you do that i mean relationships oh really <laughs> people um myself you know when you when you when you actually have anxiety because you're trying to control everything so much i mean you said variables how many variables do you think a human can possibly control at once i mean dude it's it's pretty nuts like <laughs> like it's pretty nuts to to realize things about yourself from the perspective of, of other people yeah you know like that's something that's been happening to me a lot is that like and i can relate to you is like i'm really good at at saying harsh shit yeah and we were at a bar over the weekend and and Chris, you know, who I'm talking to after this, he was like, like he, for the first time, someone actually got through to me. And I was like, like, it's something like, like you, how you said you like to control things. You might not even notice it. Yeah. You might not even notice how it yeah, affects you. you but when you become aware of it, you're, it kind of fucks up your thinking. What? So, exactly. and for some reason, when I'm sitting on this patio with Chris and a couple of their friends and, it, and it, for, the topic gets brought up and everyone agrees, I'm like, what? Maybe they're not lying. <laughs> Maybe they're not lying. And, and I'm not gonna lie to you. At first you start to think, oh, you motherfuckers are, um, you know, are all against me or some shit like that, you know, because I'm paranoid. But, but I'm like, oh, you know, they, they can't be right. But I'm thinking like, and then they start giving me scenarios and I'm like, God damn. And the real sad part is actually when you leave them and you really think about it and then you start to think about, damn, like I've been doing this to them for a long time and they've really been putting up with my shit. Because it's involuntary. Yeah. You don't, you're not aware of it. You don't even know that you're doing it. Yeah. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel really bad. And that's actually even worse because now it's like, you don't even know what to do. But this is a part of the accept everything and expect nothing, right? Because I feel so bad about it. I don't know what to do. And I'm just like, 
well, there's nothing I can do but just be me and just try to apologize and just move forward. I mean, if people, and this is what I'm talking about, the relief, right? Some people stop talking to me because I finally just started doing what I need to do for me and not for them mm. or whatever. They stop talking to me and it's cool because I don't have to maintain that relationship anymore. And that relationship was hard to maintain because it was all about control. Yeah, fuck those relationships. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it is what it is, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, I, I, it's like, I, I think it's cool because as people, are, you, we should always be growing and always trying to be better. Yeah. And, and I love the zero expectations because that's, that's a concept I actually got from Gary Vaynerchuk, if you're familiar with who that no, is. No, no, no. Uh, you would love him. Uh, look him up on YouTube or Instagram and mm-hmm. you'll never be able to get rid of him ever again because he's like a fucking virus. <laughs> but, 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 but he's in a good way, but he, he's like a businessman, but yeah. he's motivational, but not because he's trying to be motivational because that's just who he is. Right. And one of his concepts is how is having zero expectations. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've really internalized where I have zero expectations of people or anything. So I can never be let down. I can, I could only be delighted or I could only be in the idea of like, of, uh, just, you know, like it can only be good. Yeah. It, it can't be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, that applies to a lot of things when someone says, Oh, I'm going to do this for you. Or when someone says this, or you've got a cool job interview or this podcast is going to happen. It's like, I was trying to operate on, on the spectrum of you know, of course, yeah, we have plans or whatever it might be, but I expect nothing from you, so I, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Mm-hmm. But when it happens, that's cool. I'll be super grateful. Mm-hmm. But until then, I almost act like it's like it's like I'm not depending on it. Or like it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. And that so it's it's an interesting concept. That you kind of came to that yourself. You know, interesting enough, um, there was there's a part of that though that. I try to avoid, and it's the part where, because I used to do the same thing, I used to always do this anyway. Like, I always would ex- not expect anything from anybody, but it was more in a negative sense. Like, uh, I just didn't expect you to do it because you aren't gonna do it anyway. You uh, know what I'm saying? And it's like getting from there to, I don't expect you to do it. Thank you if you do. I'm still going to do what I need to do. I can see how you can come at it from a negative viewpoint, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that 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 viewpoint is counterproductive. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Any 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 sort of thing that that yeah, that, that is that is kind of a, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's difficult to see that. I mean, it's just so many nuances, man. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, so many nuances just being a good fucking person. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yo, have you watched that show The Good Place? Nah. Man, you need to watch it. It's so fucking good. And one of the concepts in the show is that the 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 one of the guys who works in hell, if anybody's ever seen it, not to ruin the plot for anybody who yeah. hasn't seen it, it's but right. basically they come to the conclusion that it's hard for humans in 2019, 2020 to actually be good because every decision you make has so many counter decisions that go with it that are possibly negative. Oh. So, 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 so to get into the good place, you have to have this score. And every time you do something bad, you get a negative score. And every time you do something good, you get a positive score. What was happening was that two people doing the same thing would get, one would get a positive score, one would get a negative score because one of them, all of the counter decisions that went along with what they did were still positive because they did the research, they found out that everything that they did and everything that was affected by what they did was positive. The other person, you know what I'm saying, was getting negatives because what they did was positive, but there were negative things attached to it. To give you an example, giving someone flowers. 
if I gave you flowers that I grew in my garden using, you know what I'm saying, you know, non-GMO fertilizer and compost and blah, 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 then I don't get any negative points because everything I did along the way was positive. I helped the environment. I was sustainable. I gave you flowers. If I bought flowers from, you know what I'm saying, that website where they were growing the flowers in a sweatshop and they had, and they use, you know, they use, um, they use GMO fertilizers to grow the flowers and they also disposed of the flowers, you know, instead of composting them, those are all negatives. Those things hurt the environment. Those things affect people. So you're therefore, you know what I'm saying, get negative points, even though you try to do something good. And they range, and, they, and, and, and then the plot was basically pointing out that how can people be good when everything you try to do comes with all these different caveats that you don't know about. And that's just a, the, what the show's about. That's what the show is about. That's and a I, crazy I, show. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really, it's, it goes with like a lot of philosophy, but if you, you know, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Because if you think about like religion, right, and Christianity, then how can anybody be a good Christian without just completely, you know, like living off the grid and like being in a, and being in a common or something like that? It's impossible in 2019 to do that. It's, it's impossibly 100% good or 100% not affecting everyone. Exactly. I think it depends on intentions, though. Like, let's say, like, exactly. talk about that. Like, I think it's just, it's all about your intention. Right. Or even just being on your path. Being like on your path. If you're yeah. having that will or whatever it is, they don't show you that when Superman's saving the world and busting through buildings, he's probably killed a couple people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they don't show you that. He killed a couple of people trying to save one person? Yeah. Like, like they, they, that's funny, though. That's like, true. Like, 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 I know there's a whole show about that. It's <laughs> called The Good Guys, which I haven't seen, but that's something I always say. I'm like, you know, the Hulk's really smashing around town here. You yeah. Know? Like, he's probably killed like 100 people. He's killed a lot of people trying to get that one dude. Yeah, just trying to take on the helicopter. He's probably killed like, a, like 10 people. I mean, that's crazy. But but you look, you look past it or you you don't think about it because the overarching what his mission or what the like what he's trying to accomplish mm-hmm. is overall good mm-hmm. which is like a weird morality thing is like is it okay it is. to you know to it's have the whole, bad things happen in in, in the in, in the when you're trying to do something good bro you know it's the, i think it's hegel it's the philosophical debate of the trolley car oh yeah, yeah the trolley car is going you either hit one person or you hit five people which one do you do or you run it off a cliff and kill yourself which one do you do well, I mean, everyone would say one person, right? I don't know. Is that right, though? Well, I mean, your intention was what? To not kill anybody? You could kill yourself. Well, there's also another philosophy debate where it's like you're in the middle of the Arctic. Like, let's say you just came off the Titanic. Do you, do you kill one? Do you throw one person off so the boat doesn't, so the little dolly doesn't sink and save 10 people? Or do you try to get there and, and have a chance of killing everyone? I don't know. Are you going to go to hell either way? I mean, like, that's the whole, that's the, that's the baggage that, that Christian, that religion puts on my shoulders. You want me to make these decisions and then, and then what? Like, I, I guess that's what repentance is for. But then if I can repent for anything, then I can do whatever I want to do and just repent for it. Like, I don't understand religion in a way. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of inconsistencies and there's a lot of, uh, what's the word? Um, contradictions, it seems like. Yeah, there you know is. what I'm saying? When you really think about it. And there's too much just believing. Yeah. Like, like, uh, there's a lot of contradictions in religion and I can get into them. But I mean, I was, I was sitting at a table last weekend with two friends who are staunch Catholics. Wow. And them talking about religion to get to each other. And to me looking at it, like, let's let's listen to them. I'm like, these people sound fucking crazy. (laughs) I I get all my friends and everything, but I'm like, it's so funny. This is like a part of you that I just don't agree with. That you don't agree with. And in a lot of minds, I think it might piss people off, but I think people who like need, Religion to control themselves or manage themselves are weak, and I, and I think that's something that normally talks about. 
Mm, that's a rough one, man. I'm, 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 I, th- I think, I think you're pretty mentally weak. I'm, I'm hopscotching with you on that one. Yeah, yeah you don't why. have to agree with me. That's my no, 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 no. I'm hopscotching. I'm in and I'm out. I'm gonna tell you why I'm in. I'm in because I think religion provides a powerful matrix of uh, to to support your i your your ideology on. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, if if religion was a platform, it would be a very very sound and sturdy platform to support. You know, what I'm saying the weight of a lot of things, a lot of a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of your uh, personality and, and belief, and I think that a human being is is really optimal when they're at their highest peak of faith, when they are truly faithful. And religion provides that, but I, I do think it's weak because if you're completely bound by the theology of religion or the dogma of religion, um, to the point where the religion almost becomes your crutch because if I mm-hmm. tell you, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if you use religion as a, as a, as a, as a tool to help you be a better person and, and it can help you gain faith. Good. If you use it to the point where you are also crippled by it because you can't detach yourself from some of the contradictory concepts, then yeah, you're weak. You know what I'm saying? And it's actually an ultimate weakness when you think about it because this person seems strong because they're standing, they're propped up on religion, but they're so propped up on it that if you remove this tiny little toothpick of, of, of truth that they thought was true, that whole fucking thing collapses. Exactly. I mean, there's so many contradictions in it because and, and one of the biggest ones is, is there's so many. <laughs> and they're all different. <laughs> yeah. And so for one yeah. to think, and everyone thinks they're better and than the other. And everyone thinks they're better than the other. Why are they in competition with each other? And so, it's, and, and so if, if, you, if you as much think that theirs is wrong, then yours is wrong too. You have to accept that. Yes. But no, that's, that, that's not a thing. Or if, you know, like, like I said, you, I, I think that people are weak-minded if you needed to be a good person. Like that, yeah. if, if, yeah. if, if no, you need to live by those coded ethics just to be a good person, then you're probably just not a good person. Like, yeah. and you need this to suppress who you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. It re- religion's wild. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, It's wild to me. I mean, look at Holy Wars. That's because someone thought their ideas were better and they were able to achieve it. But thousands, if not millions of people have been killed over history, over religion. And people argue about this. Me and you can have a conversation about it. And it, be seems like, so, it seems so obvious. It seems so obvious. Like, you, if it's really that good, why are you competing against the Muslims? Against, you know, why are you competing against the Muslims and the Jews? What, what is that even a thing? Like, are you serious? You're, gonna, you're telling me that the Muslims are horrible people and they should be killed and blown up because, they're, you know, because their, their radical ideology wants them to come over and kill and blow us up. I'm like, damn, man, like... This shit is really good. Whoever came up with this is a fucking genius because, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't find a better way to pin people against each other. You cannot find a better way to, d- to divide people. For a second, you confused. I was like, wait, you thought what the Muslims are doing is really good? I was like, but then I realized what you were saying. No, no, no. So I was saying, like, the idea that this is the Muslims, like, it's a gr- it is the best tool of division I've ever, it was the best tool of division ever created on, on, in human existence. Yeah, media-wise, they really played that one out to demonize the whole Muslim oh, religion, yeah. which is wild because Muslims do a lot of great shit, and there's a lot of just amazing people I know that are yeah. Muslim, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's just the whole black and white Like It, 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 it puts a perspective on it to where when you think of you know the Middle East or any Muslim country that you you demonize it. You demonize it automatically, which is wild. You, you get you get scared when you see people. You know what I'm saying if you see someone who you think is a Muslim, you know the person might not even be a Muslim. They might be wearing a burqa or they might be wearing like a long drobe, but they might have you know they might not even be Muslim. Maybe they're you know some some sect of of Catholicism. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like just the just the visualization of it. 
it scares you. Even when I was in the military, man, like... Oh, you're in the military? Yeah, I was oh, in the military. And, like, one of the classes that I remember taking was, like, this cultural... It wasn't cultural sensitivity. It was... It was a, a class kind of exposing you to some of the cultures that you'll see in the Middle East and how you should respond to it. And I mean, like, it was pretty, it was pretty bad because some of the slides were just literally like very xenophobic. You know what I mean? Like they were like teaching, like, yeah, you know. If you see this. If you see this, you this, know. More this like turban this or something. Like yeah, that. man. Shit like that. And it was like. I was just like, I was like, oh man, like this is this is brainwashing. That's wild, at best, man. That's wild. Yeah. I, I really don't want to say some of my weird thoughts on military and stuff like that, but I do want to say that like, thank you for your service. I appreciate. I, I, yeah, it. I yeah, think, yeah, I think military is amazing. People who do that shit, badasses. But some of that stuff where it gets a little brainwashed is kind of weird to me. Yeah. But um, I saw some some uh, Amish people mm-hmm. over the weekend, and they came to Dupont Circle. And they were like singing chorals and hymns, and the women were dressed up like Betty Crocker. Like the women were dressed up in this. I, it's the only way I can get people to think about this. Like this sort of long dress that mm-hmm. covers your arms, mm-hmm. and they had that sort of hat on with like the little feathery yeah. stuff up front. Yeah. And they were all sitting there singing. And you want to know what I thought? I was like, this is like the Catholic hijab. Like this is this seems very oppressive too. Like yeah. besides the fact that you know it's you know not the extreme Saudi Arabian you mm-hmm. know just visor thing, mm-hmm. but just the hijab in general. I'm like, what's the difference here? Their hair's covered, their body's mm-hmm. covered. They're wearing something loose fitting, so you can't see their form. Bro. It made me think like this is the equivalent. Bro, think of the and that's um, in America. Think of the American Puritans. You know what I'm saying? When when the Americans first came here, I mean those people are a part of that. Um, they're they're a part of that original. Um, uh, practice, you know what I'm saying, of like, uh, of of like, is it Protestantism or Lutheranism or whatnot? Mm-hmm. Like, that's an extension of that. Like, they had they had a lot of laws and rules that they were supposed to live by. I mean, and it even were, you know, to the point where like, you know, you beat your wife if she disobeyed you. Like, they had our draconian type laws like that as well. So, uh-huh. you know, when when you think about you know how it's evolved, it's like, it's like modern Christianity wants to demonize like Muslims, but you know. And, and I get that they're not the period that the that the uh, what are they called that the that the Mezzanites are not blowing people up right they're not yeah. they're not terrorists so you know but but just imagine the Mezzanites decided to become domestic terrorists you know what I mean and they started blowing shit up and they were you know they were doing it in the name of you know yeah well luckily there's no one a part of that who didn't take it and twist it because I mean the exactly. people who commit because you, know, you could yeah because the people who are, you know, reflect the Muslim religion, who take that word and twist it and, exactly. and brainwash these kids and say exactly. suicides because they took a message and they twisted it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Instead of just talking about, you know what I'm saying, social strife and, and political conflict going on in their country, which is causing people to lash out, especially against the American government because they see the presence there, you know what I'm saying? They, they put on this, this they, they, they characterize you and then they label. They create this image and then they give it a name, label it, and then they put it on the media. So now everyone looks at somebody with a hijab or one or a turban and that they think is Muslim, you know what I'm saying, who has, you know, probably skin my color, it's probably a terrorist. Mm. When the terrorist could be somebody, you could be a terrorist. Matter Anyone of fact, could. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, it's, you can't, you don't know, and, and that actually is probably doing the most damage to them because yeah. if you really want to identify somebody, you shouldn't label them. You should try to figure out, you know what I'm saying, like if anything, like maybe behaviors or something like that. But if you're pointing people out just how they look, then we're going to go on a witch hunt. And there's a lot of people that's going to die because of these, you know, because of these accusations that people are making about, you know, who's a terrorist and who's not based on what they look like. Yeah, that's wild, man. I think people look back on like this, this millennia 
this hundred years, they're going to be like, wow. Wow, you people like, were doing September, that. September 11th really ruined it for Muslim people yeah. in America. Like, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Humans, I, I just, I'll just say this. Humans have, I mean, for sa- for our own safety, I get why we do that. You know, it's kind of like, well, since we can't point them all out, we just got to, you know, we just got to create a, it, it's kind of like the communist thing. Yeah, you know that, what I'm that's, saying? that's kind of a weird thing too. It's like in a, in a weird way, it's, it's a natural way to protect yourself. Exactly. Right? Because yeah. if that happened before, then, well, if for, for me to protect myself, my family, it's probably, I'm probably on the safe side to assume that that oh, guy might blow himself yeah, up. Yeah. Terrible thinking, but yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I feel weird yeah. because I've been br- not. I mean, I guess media brainwashed into yeah. sometimes thinking like this guy in a turban with a beard might do something wrong. I mean, yeah. like, like of course that washes away pretty quickly. Yeah. But like, it's a feeling that I've recognized in myself. So then I lead you to this. Then as the artist, as a portrait artist, what is my job? My job is to tell that story. Mm. So even when I'm listening to these people's stories and they're talking about maybe how they've been accused of being a terrorist or they've been apprehended at the airport, it's like when I paint his portrait, you know what I'm saying? To some degree, I have to figure out how to visualize, you know what I'm saying, that level of, of, of uh, humanness in his face. And I have to be able to start conversations where people are questioning their beliefs about this man being a Muslim. That's what I believe the artist's job is. Because the media has now become this this monster where it can just point a finger and people are like demonized, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's wild. And and they have so much money and reach as one artist who has a show that no one comes to, you know what I'm saying? It's like no one's really listening to my message. And even with social media, now social media has become the new NBC to a degree where it's like the algorithm is picking and choosing what stories you know what I'm saying are being seen and what stories are not it's attention it's, it's tension and it always picks bullshit Wh- whoever controls attention controls a lot of that you have a lot of influence with attention influencers have attention you do the, and in the case of Instagram and the wild you know algorithm stuff where it's like why did this post get more than that but on the broader woke side that we're talking about like it, yeah I mean the media has just shifted towards social yeah you know, and which is freaking nuts. It is because you know what? At least on the, on the news, like they it was shot somewhat live, and I mean if they made changes. You know, you could record it. No one would cha- could change your recording, but now you don't save posts on social media. You, you just could, go you, back. You couldn't keep it in your pocket. You could keep it in your pocket, but guess what? They can change the words. They can change the faces. They can change whatever they want. They can change whatever they want on social media. And now that they got this thing with the deep fakes. Oh, deep fakes is nuts. Bro, they can make an image. They can make a whole show. They can make a whole. They, bro, like, and that, and that's, that technology is not new. It's been, it's been around for a while. So, like, they can get anybody they want on TV, make them say whatever they want, whenever they want. They can start a war war right now if they wanted to. Yeah, you really could. You, you could, you could deep fake. If you want hard enough, you could, you could make a lot of deep fakes of just propaganda of people saying some stuff that could potentially start a war. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a big concern. Like, I, I remember listening to Joe Rogan. He had someone on there talking about that. And they were like, yeah, it's like, it's super surprising. Like, it's, it's, it's wild how far that can go. Yeah. And it's like, you can think it's only for porn. Like, porn is, an ep- is a, a prime example of where you can actually see deep fakes. It's, mm-hmm. it's a shitty one, but if you want to look it up, just look up deep fake porn. And you'll mm-hmm. be like, whoa, you're banging the Game of Thrones girl mm-hmm. with four dudes. Like, mm-hmm. that's not real. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. It looks really real. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. Defakes are nuts, but what's even worse, I think, is the fact that social media has an agenda. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not that I, not, and it shouldn't. Not, not that it has an agenda, but the people who control those companies, and they are private companies, mm-hmm. 
they they all generally lean to the left. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that's not really talked about a lot, but a lot of the people that are being silenced and opposite perspectives and viewpoints are people on the right on social media. A lot of, mm-hmm. of right wing thinkers um, and conservative thinkers uh, are, are being deplatformed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much you know about that, mm-hmm. but you know, I've heard about you that. look at all the biggest tech companies and where are they all? They're all in Silicon Valley in yep. California. Mm-hmm. And what's the culture there? It's very extreme left. Mm-hmm. Like on Twitter, you, you can't they even have the highest rate of homelessness in the country. But anyway, we'll go. Yeah. Ahead. Yeah. No, but I'm saying like, like, like media wise, right, like right, the, right. the media could be training you to think in this way, which mm-hmm. is, which is wild. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. And because of stuff like that, I do think government regulation of social media would be nice. You think so? Only because I don't, only because I think everything should be a wild west. Mm-hmm. Like I wish there were no rules on Instagram. Okay, mm-hmm. nudity, if that's fine. But dude, I literally wrote the word beaner on my Instagram story, and I was, and it was a nice way of saying beaner. I was like, yo, it's my favorite beaner. My, my Mexican buddy Henry. Mm-hmm. It was joking. We laughed. Mm-hmm. But I typed it on my story, and it got removed. And I got a thing like a warning. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, did Instagram automatically detect what I yeah. said? Yeah. And then assumed I meant it in a bad way. I'm like, this is too much. Like, this is wild. Yeah. This is way too much. Yeah, it's a censoring. I should probably mute my cell phone before I do these interviews. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're fucked because they're listening to all your conversations. You've been talking about all kind of wild shit in here. I uh, know, man. You oh, know my God. You probably got somebody watching you across this hall over here. You see in that window, the, the blinds are, are kind of slid open a little bit. Oh, my God, dude. No, nah, it's crazy. But anyways, let, let's circle back to the, to the artist thing, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty stoked for this exhibition of yours. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the first one you do in DC? No, I have. I've had um, one um, show in DC mm-hmm. um, because I just moved back two, two and a half months ago from LA, right? Yeah, back from LA. So like, I've had one show, but I've been doing a lot of work. Um, I have a show next week, uh, and which is for an event called Icon Talks, and then I have this show. You know, what I'm saying the week after, uh, I'm going to be at Pancakes and Booze tomorrow. Um, oh wow. Making moves, uh, man. Yeah, man. I'm I'm trying to do a lot, but um, I'm mostly just focused on you know what I'm saying really production, like producing work, you know, hashing out storyline. I'm not like in super sales mode, which has been a good and a bad thing because I can focus on creating, but like I gotta make money, so it's like it's that balance, man. That's not, the worst balance. You're not a full time artist, are you? Um, right now, yeah, I am. Oh, you are. Last yeah. time we spoke, you weren't. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Yeah. What happened? You yeah. just made the switch, or? yeah? I made the switch, but I'm 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 debating in between, man. It's just kind of like I don't I don't really know, man. I I I don't know. I, that's where I'm at in life. I don't know. Have you ever? Is this the first time you've tried doing it? No, I've done it before. Matter oh. of fact, I've actually been a full time artist off and on for years, and um and every time I've done it, it it I got to a point where. I needed to add another t- skill set to my repertoire because, like, I didn't, I wasn't able to go further. And not if I think about it, like, I've been full time off and on, and whenever I was off, I was in school or in military or doing some some kind of experience. You know what I'm saying? And when I came back on full time, I was able to really produce some really good work. Mm. And now the difference now is that my narrative is different. Like, I have a real narrative that I'm trying to trying to explore. You know what I mean? I didn't have, I never really had that. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think that that's the most powerful thing. The narrative of, of people's stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's really, I really love it, man. It's been fulfilling for my life. It's been really impactful for my life. Yeah, the, art, the, the freelance artist grind is, is an interesting one. It's mm-hmm. a tough one. Yeah. It's definitely cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, you got you to mm-hmm. keep doing it. 
You got money as hard. Yeah, and then you got to worry about selling. You got to sell work, right? Like you're a photographer, you know. You gotta you gotta sell for photographs. Yeah, sell mean, service. Honestly, for me, it's not about selling photographs. It's about selling service. It's about selling service. That's where I make all the money. Is, is man. If I relied on selling photographs, I'd be on the street. One hundred percent. Because I haven't. It's like you have to get recognized for your photos to mean anything. Yeah. You know, or you produce at an extreme rate that it can touch, but then you still have to have a business marketing side besi- besides that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much we could get into on that, where it's like, as an artist, you have to be a triple threat, which is a, a, a marketer a thing that me and Amir kind of coined. And it's where, yes, you have to have business savvy, uh-huh. but from a selling point, you have to produce art. You yeah. have to be able to market and brand yourself yep. and you have to have some sort of physical product. Yeah. So like as an artist, you have to have like the merch shop, right? Your branding efforts. Yeah. And like you, you producing everything. Yeah. It's like, you can't just make art and just, it's, yeah. it's wild. Man. Which is, which is why it's so sad that more artists don't work together because we have skills that like, I have skills that you don't have and you have skills that I don't have. Mm-hmm. If we were to work together, we could accomplish our goals in half the time. That's true. But how difficult is it for you to get an artist to even show up on time sometimes? You know what? When stuff like that happens, I just think you don't want it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't. I really don't believe in the whole like he's an artist who shows up late. I mean, like if you're like Louis, you've earned your shirt on a plate. It's because you probably don't need that money, right? If, if if you have an important meeting to try and get in some gallery or try to get your art on some walls, you're damn straight on there on the dot. Yep. So it's wild. on the dot. Yeah, man. And I mean, it's the difference between being a professional and and being you know what a starving artist is. And when I found when I realized that, then it made sense to me. I'm like, oh, that shit. pressure. There's a difference. Have you started feeling that pressure yet? Of a professional artist? Of like someone performing art, someone uh, pursuing art full time? Oh, I've always felt it. Okay. I've always felt it. And and the reason being is because before, um, well, before when I felt it, I didn't have a story. I didn't have a narrative. And why that was important was because I had talent, but no direction. And now that I have a direction, I can produce and I can produce quickly. It's powerful stuff. It is. It is. So and, and, and so like and I'm working on becoming more of a professional artist, you know, like understanding with how the art market really works, because I, and, and to a degree, I'm a little bit beyond just in my opinion as a painter. Right. Like I produce these portraits and I create installations. But like I'm, I'm creating I'm creating a brand that is, yeah. you know, what I'm saying that tells stories through visual media. Essentially, you know what I mean? So a lot of my focus is digital. So like my blog, you know what I mean? Like my blog is very visual. It's a visual journey. And I curate these different stories. And I want people to be able to go there and like be kind of like, wow, like this is a dope blog. Like I love this work and I love like these stories, like and the thought prospect behind it. You know what I mean? Um, so that at some point, you know what I'm saying? Like you become um you're, you're, again, you become a content creator, you become like a creative director, which is essentially what I want to do. That's like the future for me. You know what I'm saying? Creative direction. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, you got to give yourself creative direction to even create, so. Exactly. And I mean, when you think about doing an installation where you have video, photography, sound, um, props and production, talent, I mean, actors, you know, stunt people, um, you know, you, 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 you know, copy because they're written content. You put all of that together to produce one five, 30 second, 45 second video. That's a lot of things. You know, Tell me about directing. it, dude. <laughs> producing video is wild. Yeah, it is. Now producing art. You know what I'm saying? And, and all that together, you know, because you, again, like, 
like I, for instance, like I do the portraits and I have the interviews and I have the videos and then I have to hire somebody to help me do translation of the videos because I need to pull out content for the photo book and the photo book, you know what I'm saying, has to be designed. So then I got to work with graphic designers and then, you know what I'm saying, like I have to have somebody who videotapes the, the interview so that I can have the free, uh, so that I can free myself to be able to, um, to, to actually engage with, you know, my, my, my interview subject. That all sounds very costly. Actually, that's where networking really comes in. And that was the point I was just trying to make. Like when you collab and you offer people something of value, then they want to work with you. Just like, for instance, like people doing this podcast for you, like they're doing it because they see value in you. So they come and work out with you. They see a platform or they see some, some, yeah, they see value. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's all kind of people doing podcasts, but like I see value with yours. Like I love the conversation we had. I, I feel that this conversation that we've had has been authentic to me. You haven't tried to force me into anything. And then and then we've been able to elaborate. I mean, how many conversations have you had with people where it just didn't really go anywhere? And that makes for an odd podcast or even an odd conversation. Yeah, I've had some interesting podcasts or interesting interviews or conversations outside of this. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So. Well, hell yeah, man. Well, shit. I think we're pretty much at the end of our time here before yeah. people start coming in and got to start getting ready for the next one. But yeah, Rohan, yeah. Man, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's been really cool. If, if anyone wants to follow you on the, on the socials or IG or anything, where should they go? Yo, you can find me at um, Rohan underscore paints on IG. And that's R-O-H-A-U-N at... Um, I'm sorry, R-O-H-A-U-N underscore paints is my IG name. And then you can get to my website from there. You can get to, you can see the current projects I'm working on and, you know, and whatever else I'm working on. Wait, man, well, I can't wait for this event. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling this, this artist, this speak that I'm going to be hosting for you, it will be like way better now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We'll have a lot more to talk about. Yeah, we definitely probably won't talk about the third dimension on that, <laughs> but, you know, it'll, it'll be cool. It'll probably be drunk or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. yeah. I thought about going to the bar before I came here, but I was like, let me be, let me be, you know, present, you know what I mean, for the whole interview. I definitely want to see how far we can take it. Hey, man, maybe next time, dude, hey, hey, I can get just as drunk, too, but I'm personally <laughs> trying to stay a little sober until the weekend. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. That's it. That's the angle. Peace. See you guys later. All right, brother. Dude, that was fucking...